This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ed is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 715 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 4th of March, 2021. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Good evening. How are things up there? Nice and cool? Uh, it's actually 26. It's somewhat sane at the moment. What? <clears throat> what the what? Much better than it has been. It's just been stupid weird. I don't think we've had a day below, I don't know, 35, 36 in the last two weeks. Wow. Yeah, it's nuts. Well, we've had, like, rain on and off all the time. I've been having trouble getting my lawn mowed. Finally got the front lawn done today. Got a new gardener dude, and he'll do the back lawn soon, but he has to bring in his heavy-duty mower because it just gets so thick out there. Well, <laughs> the front, all the front is just spindly stuff that you yeah. can just zoom over with, like, a hammer if you were that inclined, but the one out the back, you need your four-stroke heavy-duty well, that's part of the problem with that too. The um, the rains, it's been raining at like four o'clock in the morning. And then, yep. an, of course, that means the grass is wet of the morning. And then it gets to about one o'clock in the afternoon and it rains again. So, <laughs> so the lawn, the lawn's um, growing quite substantially. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a problem. But uh, other than that, you know, it's been, it hasn't been too bad. Um, been plodding along, and you know, that all you can do, really. Yeah. In this I did a, climate, I did a bit of shopping. I bought this big cardboard box. Oh, cool! I love buying cardboard boxes. Yeah. Thank you. But then, what I've discovered too, when you buy cardboard boxes, quite often there's free stuff inside. Oh man! You probably should look. Wonder what I'll get. <laughs> <laughs> I got a whole great big piece of foam about this big. <laughs> <laughs> got a BenQ Ultra HD 4K 32 inch monitor and loving it. It's huge, takes up all this space on the desk. 
And I made one mistake though, because I thought when I got it, um, I'll use DisplayPort since it seems to be the thing to do these days for your video and audio out. And um, so I, I thought I'll I'll get. I found one. They had they only got eight K cables. You can't buy a four K at the shop. I got mine from PLE in Melbourne. And um, so I thought, oh, actually, I better have a check because sometimes they put the cable inside and I don't want to buy an extra one. And so I had a look all over the web, couldn't find anywhere that says what's the contents of the box besides the monitor. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just buy it. So I bought it. But instead of buying a two meter cable, which I'd originally intended to buy, I clicked on one meter. So it meant that because my monitor's on the right-hand side, my computer was over there. Now I had to move the computer over here so the cable couldn't reach the monitor because it just wasn't going to get there. Yeah, they, so, don't, they don't include much these days. They don't even... It came with a USB-C, the USB-C cable and a USB, uh, a uh, display port on your graphics card. Uh, no, a mini display port, I think it is, on the... Um, graphics card and plug into the monitor's display port so i think it's the cable's really just mac well display ports yeah become a sort of a ambiguous ambiguous sort of cable these days like it started off as mac but you know it's like scuzzy started off as mac and and uh you know was I thought it? I would have got HDMI or DisplayPort to DisplayPort cable come with it, but neither of those, and those are the only ones that I could use. Firewire is another Mac, and 1394 is yep. the pros call it. And uh, that's funny, I couldn't, I did it again the other day I was talking about it, and I couldn't think of Firewire, I could only think of 1394. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Easy. it's, it's, um, I've bought for work. I think I've bought four monitors in the last twelve months for work, and none of those have had. They haven't even had VGA cables with them. They've, they've had nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's a bit rotten. Yeah, at least you got something. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it all worked out in the end. And Minecraft looks really spiffy in four K, and I can. I started doing looking into some Java development and. Once you get your IDE and you've got your project structure down, the project explorer down this side showing you all the files and folders, and over here is all the functions and your um, variables and stuff, and then down the bottom is your build thing, and in the end you end up with a little box about this big that you can type your text into, and I'm like scrolling back and forward using the scroll bars because I couldn't fit everything in. So now I've got a full 1080p in the middle, that's got the code where I'm typing and all the other stuff is around the edges. So there's a lot more space now. <laughs> yeah. It's one thing, you know, it's funny years ago, we had like a 14 inch CRT and that was great because we'd upgraded from our 12 inch, you know, yeah. VGA. And then they had like 15 inch LCDs was all the rage, you know. You remember those 21 inch CRTs and you had to try and carry it around? I had I one. Desktop support for companies. Why They're like, can you take that? that CRT and put it over on this desk? I'm like, are you kidding me? That was we, stupid. We can put it on that other desk. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, I mean, you got to remember too, because it's a square profile, so it's a completely different, like a 24-inch monitor is only, you know, that big. 
because yeah. it's a narrow profile. But when you're talking 21 inch square monitor, it's, it's that big. Yeah. Like they're huge. <laughs> it's like lugging a TV around. So yeah. any wonder that I ended up getting a hernia at like 27. Yeah. And then you go from that, and then you went to like a 15 inch LCD, and you're like, hey, this is amazing. Yeah. And then like 17 inch LCDs were in big uh, everywhere for four or five years. That was like it. 17 inch LCDs were the standard. And then you suddenly you realised you could run two of those, and that was the best thing in the world. And then you you had you know one seventeen and one fifteen because that's all you could afford because fifteens were yeah. cheaper. And then you you discovered I you gave could away two fifteen inch CRTs because <laughs> I couldn't sell them for five dollars on eBay. Yeah, and then you know sort of went to two monitors. Now we're at like twenty fours are like the standard that everybody uses and. Most people have two of those now, or they have their laptop on one, sc- and then twenty four is their second screen. And and I'm, you know, now I've got four twenty fours in front of me, and I don't have enough screen real estate. <laughs> so well, I got four twenty fours in the one thirty two inch monitor. So well, I mean, really, a thirty two inch is probably well, it probably nearly is. So it'd be at least probably nearly three twenty fours anyway, in yep. terms of real estate size. So and I've got the uh, twenty four turn portrait mode on this side, and I wanted to put. The other one that I did have, it was 24 on the right-hand side. And I found the base. <laughs> I mean, I found the base. Base. How low can you go? And I've got the monitor. But do you think I can find the stem that connects the two together? I pulled the whole house apart three times in the last couple of days, and I can't find it. So I'm going to have to get another Visa mount um, stand from like office works or something and just whack it over there you know what my visa mount consists of two pieces of two by four and a couple of long screws ah oh. <laughs> <laughs> it does a trick the way my table's set up uh, yep. they're, they're right on the back at the far side of the table so that like it's just at arm's reach and yep. um so yeah off the back of the table i've literally just got two foot two two by fours at the back of the table and i just put the screws through into the back of the monitor like you normally would <laughs> So it's just it easier. Does it? That way. Yeah, it's easier that way. I had, I, well, I do actually. I think it's over there. I do actually have the visa mount, but um, I found that if I bump the table because I've got them, I've got a monitor there and a monitor there, and then I've got yep. one in landscape there and one in portrait there. And yep. I found with the visa mounts, if I bump the table, they just wobble for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> so, or it might land on you, crush you, and you die. Yeah, well, that's always a possibility too. <laughs> So what that's a way why to go. I went this way, and it's just a lot easier and cheaper. But yeah, no, I think my next upgrade is um, is to go at least a, like a twenty, if not a thirty-two, at least like a twenty-eight or a thirty. A couple of those, I think, because um, yep. yeah, real estate. It's surprising when you, well, even streaming is a classic example, as you know. Like I have OBS on one screen, I've got my chat windows on another screen, I've got you on another screen, I've got. And another screen with my show notes on it and my, my uh, stories and whatever. So really, if I had another caller, I'd need another screen and then I'd need, I want to put the stuff, my show notes on my portrait screen so my landscape screen can be captured for the, yeah. so, so like, it's very, very easy to use six or eight screens. So you, you get your Samsung tab and you just stick it up the top there with your notes on and stuff. Well, I've, yeah, it's funny you should mention that. I actually had a mount I had mounted on the wall here. I had my tablet sitting on the wall and I actually had the chats on that. All right. Um, That's a way to at, do it. At one point. And yeah, so it's just, the problem with doing it that way, it's okay to have the chats there monitoring them, but you can't reply because oh, you, right, yeah. you can't sort of go, 
<laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it's one of those it's one of those wormholes. Once you once you start down the well, rabbit hole, once you start down the rabbit hole, you kind of you very easily go further and further, yeah. and you know, I could. So you got screens everywhere. I could imagine, like, if I re turn my table that way instead of the way it is, I'd be against a wall there, and I could very easily imagine having two like fifty inch, <laughs> just sticking on there. two big fifty inch TV screens sitting there doing the work for me. I've got a forty inch TV over there, but I'm not going to plug it into this. I used to have. I couldn't look. What's that? Hang on, <laughs> I'm getting out my binoculars. Well, I got an old school Pioneer um, plasma that I still have. I don't, it's mm-hmm. sitting in store in the shed because it uses way too much power. But I had that as a monitor, and other than the fact that you got a suntan from sitting this close to it, um, <laughs> it's good in winter, right? <laughs> it was actually a really like a one fifty inch took up the same space as my four twenty fours. Yeah, yeah, um, and it was perfectly fine for actually doing multi-window stuff like I am now but then I had the problem if I played a game on it suddenly the game was this big <laughs> and I couldn't I'm looking like I'm trying to play a game and I'm actually looking around like this trying to figure out what I'm looking at <laughs> so it actually that creeper <laughs> so it actually had the opposite problem of being too big yeah so <laughs> yes. and getting a getting a couple of air conditioners installed at Sparrow Fart tomorrow why, why did tech Tradies like to be up so early. It's Before it gets hot. Well, he'll probably be there all day. He's not exactly doing a standard install. He said he should be <coughs> um, probably not long after lunch, maybe one or two in the afternoon. And that's like five or six hours. That's a pretty yep. decent day's work. So I'll get a 3.5 kilowatt in the bedroom here above the bed and then one in my daughter's room, 2.5 kilowatt. That should be quite good. And then later on, we, they have to, the um, solar installer electrician had to send away my request for solar stuff to energy australia to see if they'll let me go ahead with having it installed is that uh, some requirement they have mm, that's weird he also said um i've got five and a half kilowatts on there now i can get 6.6 to go with it to slightly overdrive the inverter, which is apparently good because in winter you don't get so much sun. But he said anything more than that and they won't let you export it. They'll cut you off. They'll they'll export, yeah. Well, in Queensland, you can produce as much as you want, but they, uh, unless you go three-phase power and get a 400-volt system in, um, you're on a five-kilowatt-per-day feed-in tariff. But the thing is you can produce 10 kilowatts and you yeah, can use take five. It. Well, no, they won't. They, they they won't. No, well, per hour, yes, they'll take it. Um, but well, no, they won't here. They actually won't export. It will literally only export um, five kilowatt hours. Like it won't. Yeah. It won't go any more on the export side. But you could be producing eight or nine or ten and using the difference. So you're using the power that you're producing above what you're exporting. Yeah. So I'm. I'm always exporting my five constantly because I'm always producing more than that and running the household. I, even with the aircon on, I'm still exporting my five. Yep. So yeah, it, it's <clears throat> the that's the that's the downside to having a smart meter is it can yep. cap the amount you export. The upside to having the smart meter is the amount that you export is much more accurately monitored. If you if you have a normal meter. 
Um, I don't have a smart meter. You don't get the tariff block, but you'll lose a lot in revenue because they don't read backwards. So it doesn't read a lot of your import stuff. It relies on what the inverter says it's putting in, wow. um, which can vary depending on how it's set up. So I asked for a smart meter and Energy Australia came to install it and they said, oh, can't do that. We need you to get another thing installed into your um, fuse box before we can put in a smart meter. So you need a level two technician to come and install I don't remember what it was, but he he was here and he said, "No, we, we can't put this smart meter in there. Not possible." I think he just didn't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> same as those guys who just decided it was completely one hundred percent impossible to install gas at my place. They didn't want to do they it. They didn't want to do it. What is it with you, my place? You've got really, really bad trailers in your place. Oh, tell me what I'm on to my sixth guy to do the gardening and mowing. Yeah. Oh, really? They all just don't. They just don't turn up, or or they say I'll be here next week, and they, and a week later I haven't heard from them, so I get someone else. They're like, oh, it's coming tomorrow. It's like, well, I don't know that, do I? You haven't told me. Yeah. Another one's like, I'll come. I'll come around and give you a quote at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. All right, nine o'clock. I'm there. Nine thirty. I ring up his office. Where is he? Oh, we don't know. <laughs> 10 o'clock, he rings up and goes, I just drove past and decided I'm going to give the quote based on that instead of talking to you about it at your place so you can show me where everything is. I'm like, you no. said nine. <laughs> this is not nine. This is 10. What? You're supposed to be here at nine. Well, I'm here now and I'm giving you the quote. I'm like, not interested. That's, that's not how it works. No. If you said you're going to be here at nine and I'm expecting you at nine, what's going to happen when you get to mow the lawn? You're going to say, I'll be there on Tuesday and you turn up a week next Wednesday or whatever and say, well, I'm here. Yeah. I need you, somebody reliable. You've got horrible trailers. <laughs> you've got really bad tradies. Ah, oh, it's ridiculous. All the traders around here go far above and beyond just about all the time. Like, they almost always do way more than they say they're going to do. Yeah. And they uh, charge you, they don't charge you for it most of the time. Not here, can't be done. <laughs> I'm in the impossible zone. Nothing can be done here by a tradie. I've got the opposite going on. I'm, they're like, oh, well, I'm here. Do you want me to do that and that? And said, so, oh, I won't charge you for it. I'm just here. It'll be easy to do it now. And it's like, okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What's but, this? What's this? What's this yeah. going across here? I don't know. I'm not in the mood. Down there. <laughs> Some Patreon um, stuff. Yeah, we've got Patreon and we've got uh, Kofi and we've got... Um, I know it's coffee, but leave me alone because I, there's a wrestler whose name's Kofi Kingston. That's how he spells it, so that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, we've got PayPal and we've got those sort of things, so give us money, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do this for you people. Who do you think you, you are? Freeloaders. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no it, some noose. It, uh, it does help, guys. The, we do, uh, honestly... Um, it means a lot to us for the, the people who are supporting us. It really helps us out. And uh, we actually it. figured out the other day, the last upgrade Glenn did to his computer was a graphics card six years ago. Wow. So. <laughs> was it was it Visa Local Bus? <laughs> or did he get to PCI yet? So his computer, he, we can't figure out how his computer is, but he's up, the last upgrade was six years ago. <laughs> I've had two since then. And that was and that was only like a two gig um thirty thirty fifty or something. Like it wasn't it wasn't a it was an old card then. It's a voodoo. He just upgraded to Voodoo three D, now he can play three D Doom, right? 
Turbo 3D. Yeah. Diamond, what was it? Diamond. The turbo button. The, the, the diamond, uh, the diamond Visa card with the uh, push-in uh, memory upgrades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. Uh, let's do some news. Oh, okay. Google would not build or use alternate tools to track web browsing traffic once it begins phasing out existing technology from its Chrome browser next year <coughs> in a move that will reshape how online advertising works. Google first announced it would get rid of third-party cookies, which for decades have been online enabled online ads, early last year to meet growing data privacy standards in Europe and the United States. Privacy activists for years have criticized tech companies, including Google, for using cookies to gather web browsing records across websites they don't own, enabling them to develop profiles on users' interests to serve personalized ads. Now Google is pledging it will not use other technology to replace the cookie or build features inside Chrome to allow itself access to that data, though it continues to test ways for businesses to target ads to large groups of anonymous users with common interests. Keeping the internet open and accessible for everyone requires all of us to do more to protect privacy, and that means an end to not only third-party cookies, but also technology used for tracking individual people as they browse the web, Google said. Well, it's funny because Brave who uh, two years ago uh, publicly launched their browser. Um, How many people are talking about Brave all the time? I can't watch any streams on the <laughs> internet or anything. They're like, yeah, I use Brave all the time. I'm only using, I've only got Internet Explorer or Edge or whatever in the background because I can square it's the, exact, to, yeah. the exact thing to capture for my Twitch stream. But other than that, I use Brave everywhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, and now, you know, they're just, they're just doing one better. They've um, introducing Brave Search, which has opened a wait list and will launch in the first half of this year. Um, yeah. It won't track or profile people who use it. Brave already has a default anonymous user model, which, data collection, which has no data collection at all, he says. Uh, this will continue with the search engine. No IP addresses will be collected, and the company is exploring how it can create both paid and ad-free search engines and one that comes with ads. But uh, building a search engine isn't straightforward. Uh, they say Brave isn't starting its search engine or index from scratch and won't be using indexes from Bing or... Sorry, it is starting its search engine from scratch and won't be using other indexes from Bing or other tech firms. Yeah. Um, they've purchased Tailcat, an offshoot of German search engine Clicks, which was owned by Herbert Boda Media and closed down last year. The purchase includes an index of the web that's been created by Tailcat and the technology that powers it. Uh, they say that some users will be given the ability to opt in to anonymous search, anonymous data collection to help fine-tune the search results. What Tailcat does is it looks at the query and log uh, click. It looks at and... Oh, wow. I can't. I just can't, people. Or word. What it does is it looks at a, a query log and a click log anonymously, he says. This allowed to build an index, which Tarkat has done and already did at Click, and it's getting bigger. He admits the index will not be anywhere near as deep as Google, um, but the search results, the you know, your first two or three pages, anyway. your first two or three pages are probably going to be similar uh, on the major search. I mean, yeah, there are more pages than one on Google. Does <laughs> anyone go to page two? Yeah, I often go to three or four to actually find the stuff I want. I'll call off and skip the first couple of pages because I know it's going to be exactly not what I want. Um, Sponsored ads. Yeah. But yeah, so basically it's, it's, you know, so not only now, it's going to be like DuckDuckGo, I'd imagine, where it's going to be, uh, except the difference is it'll be integrated into the browser. So, nice. um, 
I would think they would do well to somewhat partner up with DuckDuckGo. I think it would... And Tim Berners-Lee, because he wants all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, and he's doing his pod thing, which is a sort of a, a, a reboot internet of the internet. Internet on the internet. Yeah. It's, it's an internet without using the internet. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I... I uh, have used Brave. I... I just can't use it daily yet. It's still just not... Not quite there. It's like Canary for Chrome. I, I use it as my primary browser because most of the time it's faster and better than the standard Chrome. Yep. But when it has a hissy fit... <laughs> it <laughs> it really just does. really has a hissy fit. <laughs> and Brave's exactly the same. Like 99% uh, of the time it works flawlessly and it's really good. But when it decides it doesn't want to work, it just doesn't want to work. <laughs> so it's probably going to be... I'm probably going to give it till the end of the year because they're going to be launching this. So obviously they're going to be bumping up both their technologies somewhat simultaneously. So probably by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if I switch over completely to Brave. Um, I might give it a go. For the most I part. use it on my uh, mobile phone, just not on the desktop much yet. I use it on the... Uh, I use it a lot on... Our media center. Yep. Um, other than stuff like YouTube, that there's obviously a link to your Google account, so you got your favorites and you got all that sort of stuff pre-existing from you know when you set it up. But for just general browsing and stuff, I use it on the media center. It's it's a lot lighter because um, yep. they're only they're only um, little you know one point eight to one point nine gig processor quad cores, so they're not real powerful. Yeah. Um, but. They seem to work quite well on that. But once again, if they have a hissy fit, <laughs> they just don't want to know about it. Woolworths has called time on a trial of electronic-only payments at small number of its metro stores, saying it would accept cash again at the stores as early as Wednesday. The cashless payments trial started in July last year at 11 metro stores in Sydney and Melbourne. Locations on the retailer had said had already received few cash payments. The grocery retailer expanded the trial to cover 14 stores with the addition of Brisbane and came at a time of a heightened concern over cash handling during COVID-19 pandemic and broad encouragement of contactless payments. But the conversion of stores to all electronic payments and prohibition of cash payments led to concerns about the exclusion of people without cards, as well as over the data being collected about purchasing habits. The trial was also frequently criticised in social media forums and Woolworths Metro General Manager Justin Nolan said the retailer hadn't fully appreciated the impact of making some of its stores cashless. We want Woolworths to be a place where everyone feels welcome no matter who they are or how they shop with us. Being cleared, become clear to us that not all customers have felt this way when shopping in our Woolworths Metro stores trailing card-only payments. While most of while almost all Metro customers choose to pay with cards, cash remains incredibly important to those who don't for a whole range of reasons we don't fully appreciate. Based on the feedback from our customers, we can see we've moved ahead of current community expectations on cash and will be ending the trial. It's understood the majority of stores participating in cashless trial will have either already started accepting cash payments again or will do so by now. I love the way they um, skimmed over the actual real details of that story. Yeah. <laughs> the, <clears throat> Woolworths, in conjunction with the federal government, were doing the trial to see if they, if it was possible. The federal government's been pushing for a cashless society for at least 12 miles, two years now, 
and they were using COVID as a as a really good excuse to pass it through the lower house. Um, the day that the bill got rejected in the lower house about the cash about banning cash, Woolworths ended their trial. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's a coincidence. Don't Com- worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, fine. they're completely unrelated and there's no way they were linked to each other at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically they, that's what happened. They, 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 and amongst all the crap that was going on, they were trying to push this bill through so that, yeah, so that they're being cash and we aim for a cashless society, which basically means that the government then controls, or the government and the banks control all your assets because there is no cash. Um, and that was thankfully blocked by the smarter people in the lower house and it didn't get through with enough votes. Right. Not to say they won't try again. No, um, <laughs> definitely. But at least... They'll give it a go one day. At least this time it, 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 it got defeated. So Because currently the legislation stands that the only valid form of currency that must be accepted by a commercial organisation is cash. Or is actually, it's technically a coin. Um, but cash, um, they don't. Requ- they're not required to accept anything else, but they have to accept cash. And if they don't, that means the item must either be removed from sale or it must be offered for free. Right. That is the only exception to that. <clears throat> and when Woolworths was um, challenged, they miraculously accepted cash in the cashless stores. <laughs> <laughs> you can take it, or I'm walking out. Yeah, that's okay, that's we'll lit- literally exactly how it goes. I have offered you cash. You have declined payment, therefore the item is classified as free. I shall take it, thank you. Oh, <laughs> no, well, we actually will take cash, we just don't really want to. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, funny that. And the truth comes out. <clears throat> so, um, speaking of weird and odd um, purchasing habits, PlayStation Store. Now... Other than you, because you said the exception to the rule, I don't know anybody who has purchased anything other than games or game-related content on a PlayStation. But anyway, um, have you ever bought a movie or TV show through the PlayStation Store? Uh, as a result, me neither, says the article, which is like <laughs> literally everybody who's listening to this except the person who's sitting on that screen there. Um, as a result, Sony announced today it removed them starting up Starting, well, I'll tell you what. Sony announced today it will remove them starting August 31st. We've seen tremendous growth from PlayStation fans using subscription-based and ad-based entertainment streaming services on our consoles, Sony wrote. Um, With a shift in customer behavior, we have decided to no longer offer movies and TV purchases and rentals through the PlayStation Store. As a multimedia company producing movies and TV alongside music and games, it made sense for Sony to sell it all through various iterations of the PlayStation's digital storefront. In theory, at least. In practice, it seemed like console owners were mostly just interested in buying games, especially in following the rise of Netflix and Amazon Prime. True, but did not the PlayStation also have apps like Amazon and stuff on it? Yeah. So... <laughs> Disney Plus and You've already got an Amazon account that you can watch on all your devices so you go to your PlayStation to buy a movie. Yep. (laughs) And they wonder why people weren't using this service. (laughs) And uh, as you said, you have done it, but you, I mean, it's a very rare use case even for you to do it. It's not exactly standard run-of-the-mill practice. It might have been like, Two or three things that I couldn't get on any other yeah. platform, and they had it. I wanted to watch 
Uh, a few weeks ago, I wanted to watch Deadpool 1, which I didn't have. I had Deadpool 2, but Deadpool 1 isn't on anywhere that I could stream it. So oh, the really? only place I found it was there. I even tried, um, I even often try the Google movie store to see if something's there, but couldn't find it anywhere. So I me... think I ended up buying that one. Yeah, you should let me know. I could have told you what to buy. But yeah, that's, uh, I mean, yes, the, there's, you know, you're always going to be oddball. Oh, sorry, Guardians of Galaxy 1. No, Guardians. There's always going to be oddball um, exceptions to that rule. But yeah, look, it doesn't make sense that you're allowing, you know, Amazon Prime and you're allowing Netflix and you're allowing, pick a, you know, Disney and Stan. whatever, Stan and probably, I, you know, iTunes or whatever on there as well. Or Google Play Store. Yeah, they've got Apple on there now. The Google Movies is probably on there too, you know. And then they go, well, nobody's buying our content. So, well, they are. They've just purchased it through a different provider. They're not buying it directly from you because if I buy it on my PlayStation, I can only watch it on my PlayStation. If I buy it on my Netflix account that has multiple devices attached to it, I can watch it anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's kind of... They don't get that, do they? No, it's such a... Just a weird and just another example of a, a, a record label because let's face it, effectively that's what Sony is. At the end of the day, they're still relying. Their mindset is that their movie and music franchise is still more profitable than any other part of their division that they have, which is not true, but they think it is. And that's such an old school mindset. And this is why I think it was. In the last, I have to try and find those stats somewhere, but I remember reading, I think it's in the last two years, more record labels have closed down than, like, ever, than, like, combined ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they're just, they're just far They fight against the change, embrace you know, it. You know, and <laughs> the irony of that is, in the last 12 months, more records have been produced and have been produced in the last 20 years. <laughs> so records are coming back but yeah it's um you know the, you talk to a lot of independent artists now and they won't sign with labels they'll stay independent and um you know um okay go is a classic example of this or uh home free is another example of this pentatonics and what they'll do is they will release their content they'll produce their content like they normally would they'll produce their cds their dvds whatever like they normally would but then they'll put their content on youtube and on media platforms and they'll probably okay yeah they're going to get ad revenue from it but the exposure that they're getting from that then allows the people to either sign up to their patreon or to buy their merchandise or to buy their cd so and because they're not going through a label, they're being independent. Instead of getting three cents from a DVD sale, you know, out of the $30 DVD, they were getting three cents traditionally. That's that's how much yep. the, the, the actual artist got. So if you've got five people in a band, you get three cents per album, not per person. You get three cents per album to divide between five people. So now they're probably getting, let's say that same DVD costs, I'm throwing a figure out there, let's say it costs $3 to make a DVD selling for $30. Let's add some shipping and some tax and whatever else to that. So let's say it's 5 bucks. So they're effectively getting $25 out of their $30 record that they were getting $0.03 cents for. So yeah. they've only got to turn over, what's that, point 
zero one of a percent of what they were turning over to make more money or the same, if not more money than they were before. So let's say they sold a million albums before at three cents. They got $300,000 out of it. Um, No, at three cents, they would have got $30,000 out of it. Whereas now if they sell 10,000 albums at three, you know, at $30 each, you know, they're getting 300,000 out of it, you know? So, it's um, the labels can't understand this. Yeah, you know, and they're the ones screaming bloody murder that they're being. Why hard don't done you by. want to give us all your money anymore? <clears throat> yeah, how come we can't? You do all the people? hard work. All we do is press a button and send it down the line. Yeah, and 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 this is where like people who do you know X Factor and the Voice and all that sort of stuff, they get roped into like a three record deal. But what they'll do is they'll pump out three records in like three months. Or they they have whatever their contract is. Like they might have a two-year contract with three records or three uh, three records and then with a sign extension at the end of that. What they'll do is they'll pump out their three records as quick as they can, do a couple of tours, a couple of media bits here and there, a couple of interviews and whatever. For the next 12 months, just hide in isolation and... And go, oh, I'm releasing a special album and, you know, with one month to go, they release an album with four songs on it and go, here's your compilation album. Yep. And then they never re-sign with that label and the label can't figure out why. <laughs> they you know. I think they're, they're kind of like banks and other big businesses in that years ago, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 years ago, it'd be like, please come to our label. We'll do anything. We'll give you a ton of money. Now it's like, we are the big label. We're in control of everything. We we'll might let you on our platform and give you a tiny little mm. bit, but you won't get anywhere else. So you better take what you can get, which is like mm. a pittance. And a lot of, I mean, um, I use OK Go as an example because they're one of the first bands that I'm aware of that bucked the trend. They had, uh, I think it was a $30 million deal over five years or something with, I want to say it was. Um, Virgin or Sony it's one of the bigger labels anyway yep and 12 months in they this is about when YouTube started getting semi-popular about 12 months in they went well hang on this doesn't make any sense we just put our video or you guys put our video up on YouTube which is part of the the deal and that video got 150 million views in a month and they sat down and they worked out the revenue on that and they're like, so we've got a five record deal over five or a 10 record deal over five years. So that means you have access to, let's say there's 10 songs on things. So you've got access to 50 of our songs or 60 of our songs or whatever you've got over that period of time. Each one of those capable of 10 plus million views on YouTube. Yep. And we're getting 5 million bucks out of the deal? Now, hang yep. on, that doesn't make sense. You, you, you're getting $5 million per song out of the deal. <laughs> so they got a team of lawyers together and they broke contract with this record label through the courts and and went independent and never looked back you know and that was the first sort of transition to this thing happening there's been other cases of it but it it made people didn't make the record labels realize but it made the artists realize that becoming independent is actually not a bad thing anymore yeah, best you thing you can do. You know, you don't need a label behind you. 
Same for books and stuff. Yeah. Oh, Just that's go a, straight to Amazon Kindle publishing. So or many, so many stories. Like you know, Mike Rowe, who did Dirty Jobs and stuff like that. His mum wrote a book. All right. About her and Mike and the husband. Like there's just a family. Oh, actually, she's done two. One was like a semi biography, and one was a fiction. Um, I'll have to go back on his Facebook page and look, but I know that um, her first novel that she bought out, her first fiction one, sold because he is on social media. He said, oh, my mum's writing a book. If you're interested, look it up here. And they went to Amazon and they, you know, physical hard copies sold the entire first run out in like six hours. (laughs) And they, nice. they've done like 20 runs of this book because every time they do a run of it, it just keeps selling out, you know? And he's like, okay, you said, yes, I've probably got the advantage from slightly more, you know, prolific social media wise than the average person. But he said, it's not to say the average person can't do exactly the same thing. Like my mum just wrote this book and I only mentioned it once or twice and, you know, they're making record sales, real. you know? Yeah. So it once again proved the point that you know, you, you, you get the word out You don't need all the middlemen anymore. You really don't. And I noticed um, Neil Stevenson. He promotes all yep. his stuff on Facebook. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a publisher. Well, at least oh. he doesn't have a uh, like a, a contracted publisher. Like in the old days, you know, you contracted to write X amount of books. He has yep. a publisher who who publishes the book and, and does all the the footwork. But he's not contracted to them. He can pick and choose whoever he wants. Yep. But he does most of his promoting on on Facebook. You know, you're always seeing, well, me because I follow him, but you're always seeing snippets of the next book he's releasing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it, stop it. Already, <laughs> Going to have to get another one. I've already taken out one mortgage to buy you books. I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> buy the rest of them. So, uh, but no, it's, yeah. I know it's a bit of a rant, but it's 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 just interesting the way things are developing and the way things structures of businesses and traditional concepts are completely being thrown on there you know especially in the last two years where people both businesses and people have realized that well i actually don't need to drive into work every day i can do 90 percent of this and this doesn't apply to laborers and and retailers but the average office worker and the average um you know i don't want to downplay saying the average office worker but you know most people who work in an office or, or people who work behind a counter or work behind a desk or work in an office have discovered that they don't necessarily need to go into work every day. And yep. I was actually I've talking... been working from home for six years. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking to a lady who came in the other day and, I mean, I have to go into work every day. I have a retail store that requires my presence there to, to fit the batteries and to sell as well as selling the products. There's only so much you can sell online. There's a lot of stuff you can't ship and there's stuff that you physically need to do. But I was talking to a lady the other day, and she's gone from working. She used to live in Ips, well, west of Ipswich, which is west of where I am. Made sort of forty-minute trip into Ipswich, and she used to work in Brisbane, which is another forty-minute trip. So she used to drive eighty minutes a day each way, so one hundred and sixty minutes, so three hours effectively. Assuming you don't get stuck in traffic. Yep. <laughs> she's on the road. Happens. She's minimum three hours a day on the road, so she'd be getting up at six, driving into work, getting home at six or seven. But she's since discovered, since she started working from home, she can do everything she was doing in her office in two full days at home. So she works Mondays and Wednesdays for that employer. 
She now works Tuesdays for another guy, Thursdays for another guy, and Friday for another guy. Yes. (laughs) She now has, um, in in a five day week, she's working for four different employers, and and her income stream is is there to reflect that. Yeah. And yet she's working less, spending less because she's not driving and paying for fuel. She's eating better because she's eating home meals instead of takeaway all the time, and she's spending more time with her kids and her family. So. Win win everywhere. It's there's no downside to to, to this, you know. <clears throat> so, PayPal is said to be in the process of buying Curve, <clears throat> a technology firm that powers the secure storage of cryptocurrency, according to sources familiar with it. Israeli news outlet Kalkalist reported on Tuesday that Curve was being sold for between two hundred million and three hundred million, without naming the buyer. PayPal is buying Curve for $500 million, a source from within the digital asset custody space said on Monday. From what we're hearing, I'm pretty sure it's true. Several people in the cryptocurrency space have said PayPal, which made an entrance there last year, turned its attention to Curve after talks to buy a crypto custody and trading firm BitGo fell through last year. PayPal offered $750 million in cash for BitGo, two sources say. PayPal did not return requests for comment about that and Curve declined to comment. PayPal has made some great acquisitions in the past, such as Venmo, and they want to own something in crypto. Curve has raised over three hundred, uh, over $30 million to date, including $23 million funding round in July. PayPal partnered with New York regulated Paxos to offer direct purchases of cryptocurrency for its millions of US <coughs> users. And the payments giant said that last month they'll be bringing crypto service to the UK very soon. And keeping on that track, Google Finance, a data site maintained by the tech giant, now has a dedicated crypto field and has prominent placement too. Right at the top of the page where users can compare markets, crypto is listed among the five default markets, which also includes US, Europe, Asia, and currencies. For some, like the documenting Bitcoin Twitter account that surfaced with the new, that surfaced the new feature, this appears to be a signal of crypto's growing mainstream presence. Bitcoin has surged to ever new heights this year, propelled primarily by institutional adoption of the asset. From mass mutual to micro strategy, Bitcoin is increasingly a part of the corporate world. This sets it apart from the bull market of 2017, which is primarily driven by retail investors. According to Google Trends, searches for Bitcoin the past several months have yet to meet the frenzied searching seen three years ago. Significantly more people are searching for crypto rather than Google Finance for what it's worth. Still, crypto is becoming part of the financial firmament. At the moment, it appears Google Finance only tracks a limited number of cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash are displayed by default when clicking the crypto tab. Mm-hmm. I'm literally just looking at it now. You'd be pleased to know that Bitcoin... Eric's, everything's down. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin's down yeah. 1.5%, Ethereum's down half percent Litecoin's down one3 and Bitcoin Cash is down uh, 0.8%. <clears throat> yeah. So, but yeah, no, I just realized that and just realized that was a thing they did. That's actually, I mean, <clears throat> the that's not surprising they got into it. What has surprised me about your previous story, though, is PayPal has taken so long to get into crypto. It's yeah. literally the exact thing that PayPal would be perfect for. And mm. it's taken them five plus years to... to be, get active in... I mean, the first couple of years, they banned purchasing crypto with paypal yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
you know. They should have jumped on it. It should have been. That should be their default payment option. And Goldman <laughs> Goldman Sachs has restarted its cryptocurrency trading desk and will begin dealing Bitcoin futures and non-deliverable forwards for clients from next week. So even Goldman Sachs is getting into the Bitcoin crypto stuff. Makes sense. I mean, you got to think that they're a very big market influencer, though. So that's not surprising that that's, that's a thing. I mean... It's kind of like saying, um, you know, you look it's at the Dow Jones or, you know, NASDAQ, stuff like that. Like, I don't think it's going to be too long before crypto starts affecting them either because really they're all based on, well, from what my basic understanding of the stock market is, they're based on the way the stock market trades effectively. Uh, if things are if things are looking up in general, they'll go up and if things are coming down in general, they'll go down. If crypto becomes a bigger part of this way this is trading, um, it wouldn't surprise me if they're going to have to start being influenced by that at some point. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, I, I'm not a, <laughs> by no means to take any sort of financial advice from me at all. I mean, this is the <laughs> guy who goes to Macca's to buy a 30 cent cone and spends $47. So don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't take financial advice at all from me. But um, it's just... It's $3 in petrol <laughs> to get the 30 cent cone while you're there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I'll say, I, I, I won't spend the $6 on delivery. I'll spend $12 on fuel to go and pick it up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the smart thinking. I saw that six dollars. I know what they. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's kind of surprising that it, it for the way I understand it anyway that crypto is going to start having more of an effect on on stock markets because I mean the money if the money's coming out if the money's going into crypto it's got to be coming from somewhere. So inherently, if you're pulling stock and bonds and out of the stock market, and you're pulling shares out of the stock market to pay for the crypto, well, it's going to affect. You're going to have a drop in one, but you're going to have an increase in another. The only way you're going to know that is if you start monitoring, yep. you know, both at the same time. I think. Sound <laughs> advice. It's it's it's, a, it's sound. There's a lot of sound there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> uh, <coughs> Oh, excuse me. It's the damn bloody cough that I just can't. Mm, one of those things that got rid of 99% of it. Just can't get that last bit. It'll be hanging on. Um, so, speaking of um, small stock markets, I guess. Well, there's people on the stock market, so there you go. Uh, 40% of Americans don't trust Facebook and TikTok. Oh. Uh, and Google appears to be winning the trust wars, according Wait, to a what? survey from SEO Clarity, I know, right? So, SEO Clarity, who, this is their job, and they do surveys all the time, and they obviously know what they're talking about, surveyed a 1,000 Americans. And from that, they have determined that the majority of US citizens think social media companies need more regulation. The findings are notable due to how tech companies are stacking up on trust. Google tops Amazon, Microsoft and Apple on the trustworthy scores. Meanwhile, Facebook and TikTok were the most distrusted. SEO Clarity also found the trial that Half of Americans, because remember that thousand that they tested, you know, but half of all Americans think that websites can control where they land in Google searches. Uh-huh. That's some pretty <clears throat> smart thinking right there. There is so much wrong with this article. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting is that, well, I actually found it incredibly interesting that I guess the media is to blame for this. 
Oops, drop my mic. <laughs> uh, not in a good way either. Not like to drop the mic. I'm going home. But <laughs> um, it's in, okay. I'm not surprised that Facebook and TikTok, with all the publicity that's been going on lately, is not coming out very well on publicity for security. But I'm surprised that they rate Google. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm saying that. Um, Apple and Microsoft are, are more trustworthy than Google, but I'm surprised they rate... Honestly, I would have thought Apple would have come out on top of that because Apple's probably... They fight for privacy <sighs> from other well, companies. Well, publicly they do. Yeah, exactly. From other companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apple's probably the most private company, but, you, you know, it's weird. And then they say... The one thing I saw that doesn't surprise me, but I've never really thought about is that how many people think that the websites control where they land on a search? Yeah. Uh, it makes perfect sense because unless you understand the the concept of how SEO works and how paid rankings work and how uh, crawling works and how SE, uh, organic SEO works, you're not going to understand how that works. I, I, I had never sort of associated the general public... Um, thinking that way. Thinking that when you search for, you know... You search for something like you search for, say, um, hamburgers, McDonald's, and Hungry Jacks are usually going to come up on top. Two reasons: one is they pay for their search results, and they have the paid ads. But also because most people search or go to, you know, they search for McDonald's or hamburgers or end up clicking on a McDonald's link, so the algorithm just associates hamburgers and McDonald's. Yep. So they're going to rank higher than you know your mum and pop hamburger shop on the corner. And to me, I know, I I know how that works, so I understand SEO. But it's never occurred to me, and this is probably a, a failure on my, on on my behalf. But it's never occurred to me that people don't understand that they think that because McDonald's is a bigger company, they're just going to automatically show a better result one. they're going to want hey we want number one you know um and the mum and pop one they're like oh we don't really care about search results you know yeah they put us down the bottom somewhere so yeah i, I it's such a small article but it really yeah it really got me thinking it's uh i don't necessarily agree with the rest of the thing but you can't get a uh a concept of general consensus with a thousand in, surveys no. you just you can't it's, it's, <laughs> it's nobody unless there's only ten thousand people that live on an island somewhere and you surveyed a thousand of them then maybe but maybe <laughs> when it's less than point what zero 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 one percent of the population <laughs> you, you can't yeah. get a survey result like that but um yeah no that was just something i found interesting good note and, to end on um, one thing just quickly too which i've just seen pop up here now we're talking, um, I think it was last week, or the week before, um, we're talking about um, Parler sort of yep. becoming popular. Um, well, Apple and Google are under pressure and receive complaints from um, the, the platform Parler, social media platform favoured by the right-wing extremes from their app store, BuzzFeed has since broken news that Apple has served notice to Parler's executive to implement full mon uh, mo moderation plan within 24 hours or risk being taken off the App Store. Google's oh. issued a similar ultimatum uh, and has suspended Parler from its App Store until it implements moderation. 
So Parler's in a lot of trouble, which is not surprising, but it, it's funny that everybody all of a sudden has ganged up on them. <laughs> <laughs> They've kind of had nothing at all happen for a while, and then all of a sudden... No, we can't do that. Yeah, everybody's like, nah, we're, all, we're done now. <laughs> Elections are finished. Be quiet now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being done, thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Heads show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. And now also at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month or more. See the site for details. We have an extra show, so check it out if you are a member of Patreon. And coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Make a one-off donation of any size. Email us, Glenn, Will and Warlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on Aussie Tech Radio, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows added each Friday. See you then. Thanks, guys. Bye.